What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of I Came With Fire podcast. Tonight, we are here with Connor Matthews. Connor Matthews is a prior Air Force Special Operations Combat Controller turned MMA fighter. Um, he's on Dana White's Contender Series. You can see on his uh, his hat there. That's pretty sick. Um, but yeah, man, I'm super excited to have you on. Uh, this is the first time we've had somebody on who you know is a fighter, does MMA. I would like to get a couple of more people, but you seem like the, a great place to start. So um, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody? Yeah, so guys, how you doing? Uh, so just got signed to the UFC. I did six years as a combat controller. Um, I was stationed up at the 2-2 up in JBL, Washington. Um, I had a deployment to Afghanistan. Um, then after that, I got back, kind of did what I wanted to do with my military career. I knew if I, I re-enlisted at that point, that that'd probably bring me to 10, and then I'd probably end up staying in for 20. So I was like, you know, I did my six years, decided that, you know, I want to try to go back into fighting, and then spent four years after that, you know, trying to make it, and then I finally just broke through. I mean, it's been, it hasn't been a uphill battle. It's been a lot of downs and ups, and so it's been a ride. So, yeah. I'm very grateful and happy that I was able to, you know, finally accomplish one of my, my dreams. Dude, yeah, that's, that's amazing. I want to hear all about that journey for sure. Um, so where, like, where did you grow up? Like, so what made I'm you, from, yeah, yes. So I'm from uh, Boston or Massachusetts. So it's actually not the city here, but like South of Boston, I was grew up in this town called Freetown, like 45 minutes south of the city. And, uh, I grew up uh, actually doing martial arts literally my entire life. Since I was a kid, I started doing like karate and um, I was in and out of that, you know, with other sports. I played everything, you know, you name it, I probably did it along with a lot of like extreme sports like skateboarding, surfing, uh, snowboarding. And um, but uh, my main sport really was hockey. So that was actually my my number one goal is I was trying to be in the NHL my whole life. And uh uh, my senior year I took a bad injury and I missed a lot of like the the tryouts and whatnot to kind of go that route for um you know playing college hockey and stuff so I right. um I, I kind of was actually kind of depressed and like angry so I kind of found myself back in the martial arts gym just to kind of give me an outlet and um then my uh sensei actually so that's as a karate school, my sensei he's like we're gonna put you in for an MMA fight and then um I had like my first fight right after I turned 18 um and you know i graduated high school turned 18 i had my first fight and i was kind of hooked at that point so um i spent like two years in uh in in massachusetts you know just fighting amateur fights and doing construction working in the city in boston and i was like damn this is a grind you know you're waking up at 5 a.m driving to boston uh working on the roofs and stuff just doing you know labor i was the young guy in the job so you know what i mean i was carrying everything you name it i was carrying it and then I was like, you know what, I don't know if it's like, you know, a long-term plan for me. So uh, that's what kind of, you know, made me decide I want to look at the, into the military, into the Air Force. And since I was already, you know, a fighter and a competitive person, I think the uh, special operations is kind of what, like, you know, caught my attention. And uh, so, you know, you know, I ch- end up talking to an Air Force recruiter and joining and, you know, the rest is history. Right, right. Did you, did you so win your first fight? Just... What's yeah, that? Yeah. Did you win your first fight? The one you said, like, around your 18? Oh, oh, yeah, I won that fight. Yep, I won my first fight. So um, that was that was crazy. I fought him. He's actually another veteran. Um, his name is Derek Shorey. He was, like, the main state champ wrestler. And um, I remember I was scared as hell. I was, like, I would say, like, probably the most scared I ever was going for my first MMA. I thought I was, like, fighting a full-grown man. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, right. I had not really any like, real fights before that. So, yeah, that was, that was pretty intense. 
I'm curious about your so you uh, said, recruitment you said... part. Um, sorry, Brian, I keep cutting you off. But <laughs> I was curious about your recruitment yeah, part. No. You said that you had a challenge, or you wanted like you wanted to be challenged, and uh, MMA fighting kind of led you to combat controller in the Air Force. Um, did you ever think of other branches, like maybe the Marines, because they tend to recruit real hard? Is there the challenge, the few, the proud? Did you meet with them or? Uh, yeah, I looked into the Marines. Um, I looked into the into the Navy. Actually, I wanted to be a SEAL. Um, mm-hmm. That was like the first thing I saw that kind of caught my hand. Is you know there was a lot of, like a lot of movies were out. I think Active Valor just came out around that time. And mm-hmm. I was just you know it's, and um, but um, actually I was talking to the Navy recruiter and and he was just not really like giving me like a solid job. He's like, hey, we'll just put you in for this job, whatever job it was, and then you can cross train and try out to be a SEAL. And I was just like, nah, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> and then Sounds actually my. Uh, my uncle, yeah, exactly. My my uncle was a um, he works for special operations um, as support, so he kind of gave me a lot of insight about like what pararescue and PJs, uh, so pararescues were, and you know combat control a little bit. So mm-hmm. I kind of had I kind of heard about that, and um, that's quite my interest. You know what I mean? He used to tell me all these st- old stories about like how crazy and badass they were in like Vietnam and stuff. So, and then um, you know. Actually, when I worked to take my pass test, you know, you have to, you have to take your initial, um, we call them, we call them IFTs. And that's actually my job now yep. is I, I administer the IFTs for New England. And um, oh, wow. so uh, the guy, the combat controller that came and, you know, he made me, I, I took the test and there was actually somebody slotted to go before me, but I, I did better. I did like way better than him on the test. Yeah, I don't think he maybe failed something. So they're like, we're not going to send them. We're going to give you his slot if you want it. Oh, shit. Uh, and then, um. But it was either between PJ or combat control. And he's like, he's like, all right, what job do you want? And I was just like, oh, I don't know. Whatever, you know, whatever one is like the best job or whatever you think is the best. He's like, he's not, he's like, he's like, he's like, it's not about what's the best job. He's like, he's like, he's like, he's like, do you want to kill people or do you want to save people? And I was like, well, I guess I want to kill people. That's I was just like, what the, I always tell that story, but it's just so funny. That was like the first time everybody's ever said that to me. And I was like, well, I kind of want to yeah. kill people. I don't want to do this. Uh, put me in as combat control and, uh, I literally had no idea what the hell a combat controller did, did like air traffic. I don't even know what air traffic control was until I went to air traffic control school. So I was like, what the, I had no idea what I was getting myself into with the CCT thing. So, um, but, uh, you know, I just, I saw, I saw they do cool stuff. Um, I, you know, I looked it up a little bit. I saw they got all sorts of awards and medals and, you know, save people like, you know, you know, save teams, special operations teams. So, um, you know, I thought it'd be a badass job to get a part of. Definitely. I, I just think it's funny that you said to yourself beforehand, you're like, man, this is a grind getting up early. And you're like, I'm going to trade all this in and go to the military. And then it's still a right. grind. It's and like a hard you're still, grind. You're still, right? Yeah. You're still the new guy taking all this shit, right? In the so, rear with yeah, the gear. I guess fun. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, that's kind of inevitable. You know what I mean? So, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely, it's always been, it's always been that way. You know, I, I haven't picked any easy routes to do anything in my life, but uh, mm. at the same time, that's kind of who makes you who you are. So. <laughs> Absolutely. I think, I think those things are set up that way on purpose for a reason. You kind of, like you said, your construction job, they set up those hierarchies. So you kind of have to come up the same way. So you understand that you got to earn your spot and that nothing is given. And that's definitely, I think for your life, you know, man, it's like a reflection of that is nothing is given because look how hard you've worked and you've reached the spot where you're at now. A hundred percent, a thousand percent. I think it's an important piece of culture that, you know, I mean, you see, uh, young. I mean, I think that every, every older culture says this about the young culture is like they're, they, they're, um, what's yeah. the word I'm looking for is, is there, I can't think of the they're word lazy. right now. <laughs> they're not, they are lazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they are lazy. 
but they're uh, they. I, I can't think the freaking word. Is it when they think they deserve? When they think they deserve entitled? like entitled? Entitled. There we go. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, they're entitled. You know what I mean? And, and um, I think it's important in in the right ways. But I'm a big believer in like leading by example and not like going at people like that. But yeah, I just feel like you know, there's our younger generation that kind of feel entitled, and I feel like you know, it's good and important to kind of you know make people understand you got to work for that title and work. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I agree with that. I'm curious. You said you do um, all the IFTs, right, mm-hmm. for for New England. Yeah. I'm just curious. Do you guys get a lot of people who are these younger kids? I assume that aren't ready for it, and or do you, is there a lot of just wondering what, like if there's been a fall off in like the physical fitness standard that you've seen? Because I feel like there definitely is. Just curious. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, it's 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 obviously like across across the you know the country right we don't have as many physical kids as we had i mean these kids are going up straight in the generation of you know they're born in 2005 you know playstation's already been out for a while and so it's like these guys have been playing video games and just being inside just a different culture than we'd had like when i was a kid you know what i mean i got stuck outside and we just came home when the the, uh, streetlights came on you know what i mean Mm -hmm. that's how we grew up and and it's just a different different society it's weird though because then you have other sports where you see people getting way better than any of us were you know what i mean like in sports yeah. they're inclining they're getting more athletic faster stronger better more skill but in others in other aspects they're not nearly as strong um but i do yeah. see like yeah i 100 percent see that like it's you know i mean we have the standards the standard you know anybody comes in you know what i mean but um yeah, you don't see as many people as reaching it. I I think you know from my perspective. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. I was always you know going through. You're always deal. You gotta get. You focus on yourself. You make your numbers, and then you get there, and then you're competing with other guys that are like you. You know what I mean? And yeah. um, but so I I wasn't really paying attention. I don't think going, when I back then to see who was making it and not making it. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I I've seen a lot. I definitely see. I haven't seen any. I haven't seen anybody crush the numbers that I that I used to do to come in for for like my push ups, my sit ups, pull ups, run and swim. I haven't seen anybody beat my numbers. You know what I mean? So that's probably that's kind something. of concerning. <laughs> yeah, that's a little concerning. <laughs> the, one of the craziest things I remember uh, when I was stationed in Montana, I was ahead of uh, security forces training, and um, one of the things I did was in process all the kids that just got to the base and they're processing for the first time. And this is when they really started changing a lot of those standards. But the I met one of the airmen who had never passed a PT test in their career. And here they were, had made it through basic training, tech school, and were now operational and had never passed a, a PT test. And I was like, how is that? How are you even here? Like, that didn't make any sense to me. And one of the master sergeants who was new to our unit had to explain to me, he's like, yeah, so the rules have changed now. He's like, they they only have to pass a test once they become operational. And then if that doesn't happen, then you, they can start that process. And it just, that was the craziest thing in the world to me. I'm like, dude, I couldn't even, you couldn't even pass basic training without passing yeah. a PT test when I yeah. was in. But now, and they don't, they don't have, they're not required to take one at tech school, at least at that time. I'm not sure if the rules have changed, but they weren't required to pass one to graduate tech school. And I just thought that was wild that here they were yeah. operational. Yeah, I mean that's absolutely wild. That, that doesn't that doesn't make sense to me at all. And like how that mm-hmm. can even be a thing, you know what I mean? If like anything, it's yeah. like the opposite. Like, you know, in our culture, it's like you got on, you get to the job, and then you just have to pass that one a year, and so you see guys wait, you know, fluctuating, and you know what I mean. But right. um, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't. I, I mean that's it's scary. It's scary. You know what I mean? It's it's you know just with everything that's going on in the world, it's like you know making us 
us getting making our softer, you know, making our country softer is not a good sign if to see what's going on in the world. You know what I mean? So definitely not. Yeah, warfare has changed a lot at the same time. You know what I mean? It's not the same way. (laughs) He's the fight. There's a lot of that too. I mean, technology is absolutely just bumping up so much that it's like I don't even know what war looks like in you know ten years from now. We even need people. We have robots and drones and swarms and all this stuff. AI, like who knows what war is even like nowadays. We might be just an old, old, outdated kind of soldier. You know what I mean? (laughs) Who knows? Now I wouldn't be. I know a lot of them are talking about these like kids, like you're talking about. um, You know, doing all the cyber stuff that there's no need for like a, a physical fitness standard. And like to be honest with you, dude, the kids that are really good at that shit aren't the ones that want to get up and go run you know, two yeah. miles and, and do a bunch of pushups. Mm-hmm. And so like, I'm not opposed to jobs like that, where it's like, dude, if you want to sit here, eat Cheetos and drink Mountain Dew all day, but all you're doing is crushing the enemy online. I don't care. Yeah. You know what I mean? hundred percent. I it's, agree with you. I want yeah. the best people yeah. doing it. A hundred percent. Whatever the requirement is for the job, it should be the requirement for the job. You know what I mean? But like at the same, t- so that being said, well said. If you, if the requirement for a special operations guy, an operator is a very high standard and you should not lower mm-hmm. that because from my, Definitely. you know, you're just going to get people hurt. You know what I mean? Like more people are not going to be able to get saved. And like, there's a reason why we have, you know, we've made you guys it have that to depend on hard. each other so much. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I think the air force hinders itself when it, um, like the Marines, every Marines, a rifleman, every, Every soldier is, you know, assault like is like the frontline soldier first. So they have to go through very mm-hmm. rigorous training because at any moment they could be like the next man up. But I feel right. like with the Air Force, you could pretty well like articulate that okay, you, not everyone needs to be. They used to always say in BMT, every airman's a century. Well, not all of them need to be a century. Some of them can be yep. like the tech guy and all of the type of stuff. And I get like bases can be overran and. Yeah, the the cops are probably going to get overwhelmed by a force, like and stuff like that. But if the security force has already been overwhelmed, do you really have faith or confidence that like the finance guy is going to come out with a M4 M16 and defend it well? Probably not. So if you're at that point, you might as well chalk up your losses and send in the Marines anyways. So it's kind of like right. a it's like That's a damned crazy. if you do, damned if you don't type situation. But I think the Air Force does hinder itself when it tries to make everyone like a defender when yes not everyone is a defender yeah i agree with that yeah and yeah and there's you know you're right because you know they they try it's like a especially the air force i mean we're very i mean there's a lot of technical skills in the air force that you mm-hmm. know jobs that are i don't even know what the hell i don't want to touch you know what i mean so <laughs> right. it's funny though yeah that's being said for the air force is um uh, I I didn't even shoot a gun going through basic training. You know you have to qualify for like shooting mm-hmm. in basic training. My uh, I had a my wingman got sick the day you go to the range to go shoot guns. So I had to go with him to the hospital while he was never you know, leave your wingman. Whatever it is, <laughs> I missed that day, and I was like I was looking forward. You know, like I was coming Dang. to be a combat controller. I was like I was getting to go shoot guns and like. I was really looking forward to shoot guns in the you know in the Air Force. Right. Didn't even get to qualify in basic training. I was so mad. Right. <laughs> Why couldn't I miss the whole day of classroom crap? I had to miss this one. Yeah, exactly. So did you, uh, was one of the, the factors in deciding to get out of the Air Force was to pursue an MMA career? Um, yeah, definitely. It definitely had, it was a contributing factor. Um, you know, six years, I did my deployment. Um, I took a couple of fights when I came back. 
Um, and I did really did you know I was still fighting amateur, but I did well in those. I fought two. I sure did okay. I did two. Won two fights in like real fast, like twelve seconds, and like another one fast. I had fought for a title. Um, I had the flu right before the title. I ended up getting knocked out in that fight. Uh, in the second yeah. round, I remember I was like fighting. I was like, my legs. I I shouldn't have took the fight. I just was just. I didn't, you know, since it was a title fight, I remember being like, I got to fight because I'm not going to back out of that. And I had that still like my mm-hmm. combat control mentality of like, you know, like, I'm, I don't give a fuck. Like, I'm going to go do it. And, you know what I mean? And then, so it didn't go my way. I shouldn't, shouldn't have done that. And then, um, um, you know, and then I said, you know, I, I wanted to move home and make pursue the professional career. I definitely was, you know, I've been trying to, I, for a while, I was wanting to try to be, do a firefighter gig on the outside along with being a fighter. And you know what I mean? But like, you know, I got lucky enough to start working back with the with the Air Force and doing, you know, the administrator and the PT test and stuff. So I'm very, really grateful I can do that job, you know, on the Yeah, that's actually pretty neat. I had no yeah, idea that they really, had. Yeah, Go so ahead. it was really cool. I, I, I um I think, you know, the fighting thing kinda helped me. You know what I mean? Like they, they kinda heard about me and like they're like, Oh, and, and that just because there's not too many other combat controllers up here from the northeast, we don't really put a lot of people into the military in general up here. So, um, they, you know, huh. they knew I was living up here in Boston and, and the guy that was, um, I took I, some EOD with guy was doing the job before me. And I guess he, he had like got blown up like eight times when he was in and got shot. So he's been having a lot of like medical issues and stuff. So I ended up, um, you know, he's like, couldn't even, he, he was like, couldn't even go and administer the test. He was in like a, like a freaking wheelchair getting to the, you know, administrators that are like, Hey, can you cover down? Like, hopefully, you know, he's, he's yeah. getting better right now. So I kind of, that's how I filled in here, and I just got real lucky. It's a, it's a very, uh, it's just I really like it because I'm still connected to the community. You know what I mean? I can, Definitely. I feel like you know, and and you know, and I got kids that are coming in. I know I get to mentor kids that do want to be combat controllers and PJs and stuff like that. It's just like, you know, that's what I I live that life. So it's just nice to you know see other kids and try to help them accomplish it. I just really you know thought it was definitely worth it. You know what I mean? Everything I learned from that. My combat control career, you know, it definitely helped me for my fighting career and, you know, made me a better person. Oh, so yeah. I definitely highly recommend it for people. So what sort of things do you tell the kids that are looking into coming, becoming Air Force Special Operations? What sorts of conversations do you have with them? So usually the candidates that we have, like, you know, um, they're very, they're already, you know, they want to do the job. So most of the time I'm mentoring them on specific things. Like I am, I keep failing this and, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or you know, I'm not good at my cows or the push-ups. What can I do? And I and I'll give them programs and stuff like that. But really, it's about when I'm when I'm like working out with them. Like today, I did I actually did one today. And when I'm working out about it, it's like it's it's like kind of I kind of talk to them, build the mentality. Like today we did like a run, and on the run I had a ball, and I would throw the ball and make them sprint and race for it. And like I like I try to make everything into a a, a competition. So like when they get there, it's not just about like doing getting through the workouts. Or get, it's being competitive about getting through the workouts. I think that's, the thing the work. that's cool. all the way to like screw like what the workout you're doing, right? Let's try to mm-hmm. win everything you possibly do. And I put them against each other a lot. So like even like when you're going through the pipeline, you should be doing that with your friends. You're your friends and the guys you're, you're all trying to make it. But if you're more worried about beating everybody and being competitive. That being said, I don't mean don't be a good teammate. Be a great teammate. I'm all about team and everything. But like when it comes to like the workouts and getting the physical, you gotta like. I remember like we were we were always just trying to kill like who could get the best scores. You know what I mean? That's what it, that's mm-hmm. what it should be all about. I think if you focus kind of on making it that, a game instead of focus on yeah, exactly instead of focusing on just making it, you mm-hmm. have a much better chance of uh, succeeding in the pipeline. So that's really guys some of the stuff I mentor them on that and um, you know anything anything I can do to really help them. 
Right. So you mentioned that you kind of grew up doing like combat sports and stuff like that. Um, hockey, I mean, that's super physical. So I assume then maybe like your, your parents or you maybe had like an older sibling or anything like that, like your family super focused on those sorts of things as well? No, actually the opposite. For real? Um, oh, black okay. sheep. Right. Yeah, my 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 um, it's not that my father was he's you know he's he played football and stuff like that, but he's a lawyer, you know what I mean? He's a white collar mm-hmm. you know guy. So, um, and my my brother was a he's an I don't really know what the hell he does, but he does something. He went to school to be an accountant, and now he does something else and makes a lot of money. But uh, <laughs> but they're white collar, so. you know what I mean? Not definitely not what you expect for um. My brother did a lot of we did a lot of extreme sports. And they've always supported me in anything I did my mm-hmm. entire life, but um. Yeah, the physical thing was just kind of, I think, in me from like, you know what I mean? Like, a per- like I just want, that's what I wanted to do. And my parents were very, I was very lucky where my parents were like, if you want to do that, hey, we'll support you and we'll, and we'll put you into that. Um, they definitely weren't like super thrilled about the fact of me getting out of the Air Force and pursuing a professional fighting career for sure. You know what I mean? That was kind of like, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? But, um, you know, I, I proved that I put the work in every single day. And then they see you like really working hard. They I mean, they, they, they supported me. So, um, yeah. But it's funny, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's like culturally thing. Like, I th- like you can't. Some people I see, they put you push people into doing something physical like that, and they just hate it, and they don't want to do it, mm-hmm. and, and you get the opposite outcome. And then I think you know that kind of mentality of like wanting to be like that is just like, you know, some people have it, and some people don't. I think it's one of those things where people show up every day and like you, you have the opportunity to show up every day and you look at it as that opportunity, whereas other people show up and they see what success looks like and they don't want to do that because they realize that it's actual work. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's I, a burden I, I to the like, livelihood. Definitely. Yep. I mean, I know that like every job, even like special operations, you got to have guys that, that aren't as willing to work towards that success as, uh, as other people are, but you know, how much of that actually acts as a filter uh, for like MMA? You know, I feel like it's gotta be very unforgiving. Yeah. I mean, um, the, my, like my mentality of going, you said for like my mentality going into training, like from mm-hmm. I derived from special operations, it's like, it's night and day. I mean, I said, it's, I think with the fighting world, there's a lot of tough fighters and stuff out there, but I feel like, I my, my cheat code is I had the mil, the special operations background to build my mentality and just mm-hmm. suck. You know what I mean? Like how many di- like they put me through like just rigorous shitty training. It, so my perspective on like a, a hard sparring match or training session is is mm-hmm. just, it's just not nearly as bad as other things that I've had in my military training. So it just allows me like I, I talk about like going into my fights. It's just the ability to re- remain calm and focus at the task. You know what I mean? And uh, like in this special, you know, we're going through dive school. They're like drowning you and you're and you're doing all this stuff underwater. And, you know, if you're freaking out and you have to stay calm, go through your procedures, get back to your air source and, and not worry, you know, stay in tears, stay in your zone. And, you know, I trained all that. So now when I go into a fight, which is something I actually am passionate about and that I love, it's just I can stay so calm and relaxed and just focus on the task at hand and get the job done. So I just think, yeah. yeah. And then if the day to day grind, same thing, it's just like. You know, being a, being a professional athlete, you know, yes, yeah, some fights, fights, days of training is pretty hard, but like, I think I, you know, I, I've developed definitely a mentality from the special operations that kind of puts me ahead of everybody, a lot of people. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I only I got to the UFC basically in four years. You know what I mean? That six years I was That's a combat controller, I, I wasn't really training. You know, I mean, I did mm-hmm. train a little bit before, I did martial arts my whole life, but like, when I really buttoned down and put my my foot, my, my mental, and I had a chance to get there. 
even within three years. So it's like, you know what I mean? I think that I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't have that training mentality from the special operations. Dude, that, so what has that journey been like? Like, how did you get to the point where, how does anybody get to the point where they're auditioning or whatever you want to call it for the UFC? Like, that's definitely the the end goal I got to feel like for anybody who's trying to come up in, an, in the MMA world. 100%. Um, so, yeah, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, you it, the hardest thing is that it's you're by yourself early in the in the journey, kind of. Not to say that I, got, um, yeah, I didn't have a ton of help. I mean, you all you need, you need so much help, but you need to figure out how to get the right people around you, which is like a, a skill in itself, right? But, you know, it, it was five years. I had took five fights um, locally before I fought for, I think it was a four or five. Yeah, five fights locally. I was 5-0, and oh, and I fought for the contender series for the first time. Um, so usually if you have the, you know, five or no, six or no record, you can get, you can get, you know, contact to fight for the tennis series. You kind of have to know somebody. Dana White's from Boston. So obviously we have a lot of gyms up here in Boston that, you know, people know him and you know what I mean? You, all right, we'll mm-hmm. give this kid a shot. He's another kid from Boston. I'm not going to lie to you. It's probably the most easiest why, why I got, why I got the, the shot so early, but I went out there and I, and I fought Francis Marshall for the first time. Um, and I, we had a war, like, you know, my, like my broke my nose, I got, got stitches, bloody, my face is just covered in blood and yeah. it's a good fight. Um, but I didn't get the win, unfortunately. So, you know, that was another setback. So, you know, so I had to get that setback. Luckily, Dana White was, um, was coming back to Boston that March. I didn't know that at the time after I fought, but, you know, I ended up coming to Boston in March. So I got on that card. I fought in front of Dana White one more time. He saw me. I did a really good fight. Finished the guy quick, and they're like, "All right, we're supposed to give you another opportunity to go back in the contender series again and fight for a UFC contract." So I trained hard, came back, and then uh, got you know I've got finally won, won my fight. You know, I think they put me in there with the guy. They didn't want me to win either. You know, they put me against another ten and zero Brazilian. Like the kid was like six foot two, big tall guy. So uh, you know, but I got Damn. the finish. And and it was uh you know and at the finish I got I got the win and it was a, r- a ride but I'd be sad dude like yeah there's a lot of there's so much stuff that happened on the way up like you know COVID happened um gyms you know I had fallen outs with had to switch gyms and just you know what I mean it was definitely not a you know there's definitely a lot of times where I was like fuck is this worth it you know what am I doing injuries got knee surgery you know what I mean like there's been it's been yeah. a, a definitely a, sh- a grind but like. Anything that's worth hard is, you know, it it means so much more. You know what I mean? I like it. I'm I'm glad. At, looking back at it, it, I'm glad it was hard. You know what I mean? The harder it is, the more I, you know, I feel like I accomplished. So, absolutely. So, training for the UFC, you said you know you lose this fight and then you get the opportunity to do it again. What does that look like for you when you're you're basically training for the pinnacle or what everybody is is aiming for? What does that look like for you training to get to that point where you feel comfortable to say, I'm going to go into this, this octagon and I'm going to finish this guy. What does that look like for you? Um, so me, it's like an eight week. So eight week fight camp is what I generally do. Um, and just, it's just like, you know, you're being disciplined you're not missing any training sessions. It's like every day when you wake up is how to optimize yourself the most for getting ready for, you know, to fight your opponent. It's easy. It's almost easier though. For me, it's now it's like, Every single time I'm doing an exercise or doing a workout, I just imagine like my opponent's there and I'm going to do it better and faster than my opponent. That's the mm-hmm. kind of way you kind of got to look at it. And, um, so, yeah. you know, and we used to do that, honestly, for the military. I remember like there was a big sign at our gym is like, your enemy is training right now. What are you doing? 
and he used to have this big sign as, and I always kind of like, I was, I like that because, you know, I used to think about that all the time. It's like, there's some, even if they weren't, you know, you know, for the Taliban wasn't running out, works working out, but I used to use that as motivation, you know what I mean? They're getting ready to go to war. We should be getting ready yeah. to go to war. And that's what I do when I'm in my fight camps. I'm just full on. 100%, you know, with my training sessions, I try to optimize my sleep as much as possible, um, mm-hmm. food, nutrition, and you know what I mean? And if you do, my usually when I go into my fights, my mentality is I put I no stone left unturned. So like, I put everything I possibly they did. So whatever, like, if I feel comfortable, like if, if, I, if I did everything I possibly can, but I didn't come up with a win. I'm okay with that, to be honest. Like, you know what I mean? It's just, that's how the, you know what I mean? That is what happened. You know, maybe, mm-hmm. and I'll still learn from that. Um, so that's my mentality. I mean, if I lose, I lose, but I just know I put everything I possibly do to get ready for that fight. And, and I usually am pretty calm and confident in my abilities at that point. Yeah. Your opponent too? Do you like watch previous fights and kind of see what they're into and stuff? Like maybe a little bit, not, not tells not, and other things. Not not too much. Not I like you can you could watch. I'll watch a couple fights in the initial part of my fight camp, kind of get an idea of how he moves, what he looks like. You know, what I mean, talk to it with my coaches a little bit, and then um, that's it. Really, I let my coaches kind of they study them a lot. They really get okay. into it. So when that when they're really studying them and they bring it out and like my training, my pads, and we develop a plan. And then I'm focused mostly on me implementing the plan more than what my 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 opponents yeah. doing because. For instance, I used to be an orthodox, but I my last two fights have been fighting southpaw. So you know what I mean. I just switched stance. So anybody that's been studying me before that is gonna think that I was that was that I was gonna come out orthodox, and then I came out southpaw, and that fucked up their you know their entire game. So if <laughs> game you don't want to go. Anybody can has the opportunity to change and allow to what, what they do in between camps. So I just don't want to like you know get bought off and like if he's not doing this, what the fuck? You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. just a little bit. So a lot of I've listened to a lot of other fighters before talk about that they kind of go ghost for a while or they get off social media they kind of leave their phone alone. Do you kind of have that sort of process as well where you just kind of all the distractions gone and then that just comes to focus and then maybe after the fight come back to it or or like do you do anything like that? No, no, I, I keep my life um, like when I'm fighting, man. I, it's like I'm right here. My life doesn't change in between when I'm fighting and when I'm not fighting. You know what I mean? It's the same. I'm like, the way I'm talking to you right now is the way I'm going to talk to you. The only thing that's different is like the last week I'm cutting weight. So like my Mm -hmm. energy is Mm -hmm. super low. So I just kind of like just make it from meal to meal. You know what I mean? That's about it. You know what I mean? I'm not doing anything extra. So, but, um, you still have the, like now with the UFC, I'm going to have a lot of media obligations. I have podcasts I got to do, you know what I mean? This stuff's all Mm -hmm. part of the game. It's, you know what I mean? It's not, it's not like, Fighting is fighting is you know fighting, but it's also you got to promote yourself and make it somebody that people want to watch. They, it doesn't matter how good you are if you're not putting asses and seats. The UFC doesn't really want you. So um, I bet that makes you feel you know, more comfortable, I, like fight to fight. Because if you just stay like, in your normal routine, then you don't get thrown off by things. So if you just be you, yeah, be real, then you're good to go. Yeah, you don't want to treat it differently than you do every single day in training. Like when I go in the gym, you know what I mean? I go into the gym and I fight people every day and that's how I react. So why am I going to add this extra stress to myself that treat it differently than I do in every single day? You want yeah. to make it as familiar as possible. And I, I think the same thing with like with, with combat and everything, you know what I mean? It's like you when you go to a gunfight, you're not just going to go, ah, I'm freaking all that, you know what I mean? Just like kind of, <laughs> you got to stay calm, you got to take a step back make the decisions, you know, look at things from a bit of view and, and, you know, execute what you got to do. So, yeah. So 
what who what fighters did you look up to growing up? Is there any of them that you kind of tried to like mimic your style after or mentality wise? Um, I don't know about mentality wise, but I know about like I love GSP. I love George St. Pierre. Mm-hmm. He seems like a oh, true yeah. martial artist, true athlete. Um, you know, I was a big fan of him growing up. Um, I really liked Conor McGregor. I just think he's just you know he, he's he changed the sport. And you cool can't name. take anything. Yeah, you can't take anything away from the way. He, I don't think there's a better martial artist on the way up than you know. He was calling fights, beating guys in the first round. You know what I mean? Like he got injured. Yeah. Obviously, he partied a lot, and he's probably not the same guy he ever was before that. But like, I just think that you know, on the way up, he's really good. Um, Definitely. You know, I I. I grew up in a UFC fighters gym, Joe Lozon. So, like, obviously, I, I, as a kid, I, I definitely looked up to him. Um, and yeah, that's about it, man. That was those. Those are my guys. BJ Penn, big fan of BJ Penn. Mm-hmm. Um, those old school guys like that. And then nowadays, I really like like Max. I still like Max Holloway. I love Max mm-hmm. Holloway. Uh, I trained yeah. with uh, Calvin Cater, Rob Font, two uh, you know top ten guys in the UFC. So, um, you know. Man, those guys are the guys I've really been trying to emulate the most in my in my in my fighting. Yeah, did you um you were an old this old fighting um show used to come on maybe like early two thousands, but it was called K One. Do you remember that? Yeah, K One. Watch K One. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah dude, yeah. Uh, one of the fighters on there, Alexei Ignashov. Do you remember him mm-hmm. by any chance from Belarus, dude? Yeah, that guy. I used to love watching him fight. That like axe kick, axe heel kick he had, bring down somebody's head. Just his range with his his leg and how straight he could get it and just bring it down on top of somebody like that was insane. But I used to love watching K One, like Pride, you know, early UFC. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, all that stuff. I mean, did you did you watch a lot of that growing up as well? Um, I honestly, I started probably watching that when I was in the military, um, for some mm. reason. I don't know why I started getting into like K1, um, all the, all, all those like European kickboxing and Muay Thai and stuff like that. I, that's when I really started watching that stuff the most. I didn't really watch, I didn't really know too much about that growing up. I did do, uh, karate fighting growing up. So I was, uh, mm-hmm. like, like, like point sparring and I would, mm-hmm. and I did a couple of kickboxing fights and like with like kind of karate style kickboxing. This is like old school and um yeah so like then i was like i was into like guys like ed parker who was like the guy mm-hmm. in um who was another karate guy like bruce lee like jackie chan like i i didn't really know too much about the real world fighting stuff i that my, my right. like when i was a kid i used to look up into like the fake karate movie karate Chuck kind Morris. of guys because i thought that was, it was real and right <laughs> and then um you know i did the, when i was in the military that's when i started you know kind of taking more interest into the fighting fighting world at the ufc Jackie Chan is actually a badass, though. I remember Hell learning yeah. that he does all his own stunts. It's fucking crazy, all the crap that he put himself through. Like, that that dude's a badass, for sure. I, a mad respect for Jackie Chan. Dude, me too, man. He's a fucking... And, dude, he, he's still... I, one of these older movies, he's, he's, like, old as hell, and he's still doing stunts and stuff. So, man, dude, yeah. I, I, I love I loved Jackie Chan. That was, like, that was my shit when I was a kid. Definitely. Rush I, I, I watched the video... Oh yeah, absolutely. I watched a video of him recently where his kid was watching him do a lot of these stunts and he like got hurt and all this shit. And, um, his kid got emotional and it made him emotional. And it's just kind of like this cool moment you get to watch between him and his daughter, which just kind of realizes like all this shit that he put himself through to take care of their family and actually like getting hurt and doing stuff anyway. And, um, so yeah, no, he, he's, he's a really cool guy. I, I would, it would be neat to meet him honestly, but 
I don't think that'll ever happen. But I, I heard he doesn't dope. even really speak. I don't know this. I heard he doesn't really speak English that well. So like everybody would literally tell him line by line, like, "Hey, this is what you need to say," and then he'd copy it and just say it in the line, and that was it. So which is kind of funny. <laughs> it's actually that true. actually I've, kind of I've makes a lot too. of sense. Yeah, that's kind of funny. Um, so I was just curious, like. I've never been a fighter my, at all. Like I've never been, I, I've, I've had like, I've had like fights that like were like personal with people, but never been in like any sort of like competitive fighting. I did wrestling. I did, you know, football and stuff like that. But one of the things I've always been interested in is I hear a lot of like Mike Tyson talking about like fighting somebody would get into this like headspace where like it was it was like one track mind. All I could think of the feeling that he had before going into a fight. And you read about some of these old um, like fighting cultures, like the like Bushido, um, which, you know, of course, like samurai Spartans, all that. They talk about having this like mentality that they would get themselves into before you know, going into battle or fighting. Like, is there any sort of like thing that you pull from before you get in the ring with somebody that just kind of like gets you in that mind space? Um, I think so. I think that I, 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 I think it's like, um, I do have, I, I just have a belief in myself as like a fighter, as a warrior, you know what I mean? That I don't know if it's like yeah. a fake thing or whatever, but I just truly believe in myself. Like I'm ready when I'm ready. Like when it, when it's time to fight, I'm ready to like lose my, I'm ready to die. I'm ready to lose my arm. I'm ready to break. Like I tell myself like, Hey, so be it. You know what I mean? Like when you, when you go into competition, this is battle. So, like, I do tell myself that. But at the same time, I try to stay as calm and relaxed. And like, like I said, like, I'm talking to you. I don't try to amp myself up many more than that. But I do have a mentality. I know when I'm going in there, that, like, I'm ready to fucking break my leg. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm just going to, like, this, this is the time where, you know, uh, you know, it's only, you know, 15 minutes of my life. And I'm just going to do everything I fucking possibly can to win in those 15 minutes. One of the gnarliest injuries I've ever seen, you was talking about breaking your leg, was again on K1. Um, French fighter Jerome Lebanair, I don't know if you remember him, but he went and just kicked somebody, like, I think around the knee, and his whole yeah. shin snapped in half. And, uh, yeah, and the, the, like, yeah, Silva's the gross. craziest thing was Silva's, yeah, Conor yeah. McGregor's, uh, yeah. uh, what's his name? Chris Weidman. That's they, so they, much they, force. Uh, yeah, there's, a, there's a YouTube channel called like, ASAP Science, and they broke down. It's like a bone requires like I can't remember the exact number, but it's a ton of force just to like shatter or snap, and then it's like a bone hitting another bone, and like bones actually pretty strong, and the amount of force to break your own shin on something is like incredible. It's a ton of strength. It's like superhuman yeah. strength. Yeah. 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 I hope that I, that's the one I don't want to get, man. Right there. No, <laughs> that's no. that's it. <laughs> we did not just jinx you. Not at all. I hope not. Nope. I hope not. I hope not. Yeah, I just remember him trying to like stand up on his leg and, yeah. and it, like, oh, yeah. like a spaghetti noodle trying to keep fighting. And the other <laughs> guy, I don't remember who he was fighting, was like, yo, no, 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 no. Like, you need to stop. Like, something's yeah. not right here. Yeah. No, that's crazy, man. That's just it's a testament to all the hard work because you, you got to feel like it took a second for his brain to realize that shit was going on in his leg and then it's not carry that it was happening because, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, that shit was insane. probably that shit was already probably broken. You know that's what I mean? Like, yeah, that shit was probably it's probably been broken for a while, and that's why, like, and we talked about like earlier how you know the younger generation, I got kids playing with shin splints all the time, and it's just like, mm-hmm. 
dude, I mean, you, it's the shin splints. You're not, I don't think your leg's going to fold over while you're running around the thing. Yeah, it's going to hurt. It's going to be, you know, a little bit painful, but, you know, you can keep on going. And so I hate right. hearing that. I hate hearing it. Like when people start, we used to always say, like, the first thing you hear is like, when somebody's going to quit, you hear them say the word shin splints first because, right. you know, I mean, it's like, yeah, of course your shins are going to hurt, man. That's part of the game. It doesn't like, what are you going to just quit? Like, and people do, but yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, that, that's one of the reasons why I like having conversations with, with people like you that have put themselves through hard shit on purpose to make themselves better because there's not enough conversation. I mean, there are a lot of conversations out there in this space about that, but I have not had a lot of conversations with people about these sorts of things before. And I love hearing them. And like, I don't know if you've ever, if you ever met him before, but um, the conversation we had with uh, Chief Master Sergeant Robert Gutierrez, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know Robert yeah, Gutierrez. The, yeah, and listening to him talk about just the shit he put himself through and then, you know, talking about wanting to quit because of shin splints. It's like, I know you right. can't compare taking those two things chest, at all. Right. Taking to the chest, calling an airstrike, still finish the mission <laughs> right. and carry yourself out. And Gotta then, run. And exactly. Complaining about shin splints. I know, but like, yeah, yeah I know. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I'm yeah, I, no, saying, I imagine him. He's like I, running, I, he's running back to the helicopter. He's got two shots right. He's about to pass out, and he gets like ten <laughs> feet away from him. And goes, I'm done, guys. Shin splints, and just sits down. Like, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the thing that's got to keep you from getting on the helicopter. <laughs> that's what right? stops him. Well, <laughs> I think I think what it is that I was getting at is that like you can push yourself past a lot more than what you think you can yeah. push yourself past. And when you're focused on something as simple as shin splints, right? Cause comparing the two, like what he went through and somebody mm -hmm. with shin splints is not even the same. Right. No, nope. but it's like one of these things where if you can listen to somebody say what they did and what they went through and look, they're still here, you know, it's just like a testament to how much further the body can take you. If the mind is just there with it at the same time. And yep. It makes me think of um, something that the, the Stoic philosopher Seneca said, where he said, "Make hard the the body, and um, you know, so that it will not disobey the mind." And uh, I love that quote because it's one hundred percent the truth. If you make hard the body so that it doesn't disobey the mind, all of it, what you're putting yourself through, the shin splints. I mean, how many times? Have you, I mean, my legs hurt every day if I go run, you know. But it's yeah. just one of these things where it's the mental toughness piece too, where you were talking about how these kids they may not be as physically fit, but I think there's this whole element as well that doesn't get talked about enough, where there's the mental toughness, the spiritual readiness, all that stuff that just doesn't exist there, you know. And and you can learn it, but you have to be willing to put yourself through that stuff to to get to that point where you can say, you know, these this hurts, but it doesn't really matter. I agree, and it, but the, it, there's definitely, and I agree with you mostly. And that the only okay. thing that is like, you know, they they do have like a point, like where like we go through training in like a two and a half year pipeline, and they were smoking us all the way to the end, and people's bodies mm -hmm. start to break down, and then they're unable to accomplish it because they almost pushed them too far. And it's not the mm -hmm. people that were quitting; it, they weren't the people wouldn't quit, which caused them into having all these issues later on in life. And I, so I'm with, mm -hmm. you, but I do, I. Do, I see nowadays is they're going the, the pendulum is going the other way and they're trying to like make it so like safe for them to make it through so they don't have injuries so these guys are going to make it from the end, beginning to the end without injuries but like now you, are those people as mentally strong as the guys that we had that made it through and just didn't really they didn't give shit about them but they're so mentally strong but they're broken you know what I mean so you mm -hmm. gotta find that mm -hmm. like that balance in You're between. Right. Are you are you mentally preparing these people as much as possible, and are you not physically damaging them 
to so we you know reserve preserve what we need to do to get the job done when we need when when we need to get the job done. It's like for me for fight camps. If I train so hard in my fight camp and sparred every fucking day, and I might get mm-hmm. really good at fighting, but I'm probably gonna get a lot of injury. And by the time we get me to the battlefield, I'm not gonna be able to do anything because I'm just beat up, too beat up. And we have to do right. we have to look at our the, the way our soldiers the same. That's a longer fight camp. Two and a half years pipeline, but how do we mentally prepare them best as possible to get them ready for the thing? And that's hard. You're, you're right, though. It's a, it's a hard thing. But I do believe in the sh- the stronger you make sure make the the mind is, and you know, creating that mentality. If you create a great mentality initially, they will they will always be. I'd rather have a strong mentality and a weaker body than a, a strong body and a weak mentality any day. Absolutely, dude. I, I really couldn't have said any better. You know, it's it's just one of these things where, like you said, you have to find the the end. The end result has to be where you're spending all this time and money to refine a product. They have to be ready to go. The product, you know, quote unquote, the product has to be ready to go when you need it. You can't abuse it too much. But, was, but yeah. Sorry, guys. I got I got to move my camera up there. Uh, my phone's dying. So <laughs> you're good. You're good. Uh-huh. Yeah, I I agree with you a thousand percent, man. Uh, so now that you're, what does this look like now that you're signed a contract with the UFC? Like, um, I'm not even sure like what weight class, what weight class you're in, but are you going to like begin like touring around like meaning fights or like, how does that work? You just like fight regionally until they start moving you around to like national fights or. So, um, I, so for now on, I will be scheduled. All my fights will be in the UFC for the, well, no, I have a four fight contract with the UFC. So, um, you mm-hmm. know, wherever they have fights, I can fight anywhere. It could be any international. It could be in this country. You know, whatever they really need, um, I have an opportunity yeah. to fight on that card. So um, nothing has been scheduled yet for me. But, um, you know, there's some big fights coming up that I, you know, I, I hopefully potentially can get on. I'm, I'm feeling ready and ready to go in March, so I think. So, um, you know, that's that's what I'm looking at. So Sean O'Malley cards going on in March. Uh, mm. They're having another one in Atlantic City, which is probably the most likely for me to get the hop on. But you know, yeah, I'm just you know getting myself ready now. I, I my after my last fight, my shoulders were kind of messed up, um, so I I got that taken care of. It's starting to feel better. Just started sparring this week, as you can tell, I got black eyes and stuff right now. But uh, so you just started sparring, bro. getting myself back into fight camp. I'm going out to Vegas tomorrow. Um, we're gonna go for a week at the Performance Institute just to kind of get myself ramped up again back in. They have at the Performance Performance Institute. It's a building you can go to that has like physical therapy nutrition like a spa um um, they have trainers athletic trainers basically everything you need you know that i I, so i'm just gonna go there go get checked out do some pt in my shoulders get a little bit better and so when i come back and kind of get full into fight camping get ready to uh you know get my first ufc fight that's dope so at what point will you know who you're fighting Usually, generally, um, like eight weeks, but you know, I've seen all that. I've mm. seen 16 weeks. I've seen, you know what I mean? It doesn't really, you know, so, oh, okay. you know, and then at the same time, like if, you know, even I'm getting ready for somebody and I get closer to the fight and there's somebody like a couple of weeks ahead of me, somebody gets hurt, you know what I mean? I can True. step up, take an opportunity, maybe fight a better guy than I was supposed to fight. You know what I mean? So, and that can kind of climb the ranks a little bit higher, faster. Um, even if I, I take a tough fight, you're kind of doing the UFC a favor. So. Mm-hmm. We kind of like to see that, you know, guys take short notice fights. So that's always a, you know, always a possibility. Yeah. So is this four fight contract kind of like your like probationary contract? 
Yeah, pretty um, it's, you know, they usually you, they give you four that they make a decision if they're going to keep you or leave you. Mm-hmm. After three, it seems like um, generally you have to kind of win those first first two fights, and then I mean, yeah. I've, I've seen guys do the you know one and three. It just depends mm-hmm. on like, who you are, what you bring to the table. Um, you know, they're you know, it's only it's not too much, but it's, you know, it's like ten and ten, twelve and twelve, by ten thousand and ten thousand. So ten thousand to show, ten thousand to win, twelve and twelve. So it's not that much. But it's mm-hmm. uh, so that's why it's a grind, man. For like, especially other people, like, you kind of have to dedicate your life to being a uh, being a MMA fighter, right? It's a full time job, and you know what I mean. And the the pay is not that much, so it's like it's hard to figure out a balance to do the both. So, mm-hmm. hey, so I was kind of yeah, curious. I'm gonna ask you. Um, I want to kind of get in your headspace a little bit more, Connor. Um, and so you you said you yeah. did a lot of hockey which is a very contact sport. And then yep. you went into fighting and you became a combat controller, did that for six years and you got out and you went for it right back into fighting. Um, have you always been like chasing, um, uh, crap, I just forgot the word. Um, have you always been like someone chasing, um, like fear or a challenge uh, or, um, like adrenaline junkie? Threat? Yeah. No, you- actually, I'm not so much an adrenaline junkie. Um, I don't think I was, but I think I kind of developed an adrenaline junkie thing in my combat control portion of my sure. life. But before that, I think I was the opposite, like afraid of everything. Like I don't really like heights, but I do. I do like <laughs> overcoming. Challenges. I do like overcoming like a fear, a challenge, and, and a fear, yeah. right? A challenge and like accomplishing something. I do like that. So, but like, you know, I remember like, you know, I was actually, I was like working in Boston. I, I fucking hate being up on roofs. I hate climbing. I hate like, you know, heights. I hate that shit. And then I, you know, I joined combat control and I find myself fucking jumping out of planes at night and doing all this other crazy stuff, scuba diving. Like I remember saying, I was, when I was a little kid. I was scared of the water. Like I, like, I did not want to get in the pool. Like I was I literally petrified, scared. And then like, you know, now I'm a combat controller. They used to drop you off 3k out and you got to swim with the scuba dive into shore you know what i mean and like in the festered water so it's like i'm not an adrenaline junkie but i like to overcome my fears for sure i absolutely and um i think uh yeah that, that's the most the extreme sports side of me i think you know what i mean but i i don't like to do things that are un, uncalculated i don't okay. like to do dumb risky shit yeah okay. i like to like if i'm gonna do something like risky it's, it's gonna be like it's the safest way possible you know what I mean? I'm not climbing like I'm not climbing shit. No solo. I'm not jumping, doing swooping, doing crazy stuff when I'm skydiving. I'm not. I'm just gonna kind of like do what I got to do to get the job done. So your threat <laughs> is like calculated in a way. You're not putting yourself into threat right. environment say- that's not calculated. Do you- Same thing with fighting. I- you know yeah. what I mean? Fighting is not, I'm not going in there. It's not like I'm like, everybody's like, oh, you, you, you don't mind getting hit. No, I'm not trying to get hit. I'm trying to, I'm trying to finish this guy in the most calculated way as possible without taking as much damage. Yes. Do you take damage to get the job done? Sometimes it absolutely happens, but I'm not, I'm not trying to have that happen. I think it's like, it's like a snowboarder, right? If you took, if you were like, or a skier, right? You go on the top of a mountain, you see these guys snowboarding these crazy ass mountains. They're like, dude, that looks like like if you're going down, that looks like suicide. Like for him, it doesn't look like suicide because he sees his line. He sees what he knows he's done. He's put himself in that situation so many times that he sees how like, calculated it is to get down that mountain. You know what I mean? So that's the way I think that's the way I look at it. Okay. My follow-up to that is uh, has since you've become more into like 
being comfortable with threats. Is there, has there been a time since then where you've kind of had like no threats going on? And does that like mess with your psyche? Um, I can't not do anything. I I have to be doing something all day long, every single day. So <laughs> okay. I don't, I don't like if I'm, if I'm not, if there's like a time where I'm not like this, that's probably, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know my ADHD I had from when I was a child, like I'm doing like all day fucking long, if that makes sense. Like, I'm like, yeah, I can't, I don't like to not be doing nothing. Like I'm going to be like training all day. Um, you know, build, if I'm not training, I'm finding, I'm doing something to like a podcast. I'm doing a building my gym. I'm just keep on, like, I'm always just doing something constantly all day, every day. Mm-hmm. I feel like, and I feel like, so I don't give myself that opportunity, which is probably not a good thing. I'm going to say probably see a psychiatrist about that or something, but <laughs> <laughs> right, everyone, right. everyone deals with their stuff different, a little differently. The reason why I brought this up is, uh, uh, Brandon and I had like a conversation on the phone. Uh, a couple weeks ago or about a week ago, I think. And we're talking about how, um, so like with me personally, um, when I was in security forces, right now, it's not as crazy as like combat controller or anything like that. But like when I was in security forces, you know, you, you're responding to, you know, 911 calls, you're, you potentially get into a scuffle with someone, you might have to draw your gun. Like there's things that are going on. And like in your mind, you're always pl- uh, playing these. And then these last couple of years, I've been in an office job. And I started to notice that I was getting kind of like crazy in that office space because I wasn't around a threat. I wasn't doing something that was like, I guess, challenging me. It was hard yep. in different ways, but it wasn't what my body needed. And uh, I like how you were kind of talking about how you have to have like that mindset and the pendulum. And you got to make sure that you're both physically and mentally ready, all type of stuff. And this kind of goes into something that Brandon and I, we're going to tease now, but it's going to be coming soon for listeners. Uh, we have a thing that we're going to start doing where it's uh, fortify all fronts. And what we mean there is uh, all fronts of your life. So physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, all those type of things. We are going to try to, we've had a lot of guests on here talk about, you need to be like well-rounded. Um, that you need strength in all of these to be healthy, to be ready to go, and to be there for yourself, for your family, and your friends. Um, and I think you you emulate that pretty well, what you're talking about today. And I was just kind of Thank curious you. if you wouldn't Definitely. mind maybe sharing with us something a little bit more personal. And if you don't want to, it's perfectly fine. We'll, we'll, we'll change directions. But have you ever dealt with a time where you kind of felt like you weren't enough or that you weren't able to, like, what are some of the failures, I guess, that you've kind of dealt with to this point? I know there's a lot of hard work to get where you are, but what, what are some really hard knockbacks that really questioned your psyche? Um, so my, my first one is, so I, academically as a, as a kid growing up, like I said, like I'm, I don't want to sit down and I do things all day, right? Like extreme yeah. ADHD. And I've been like that my entire, my entire life. That being said, so like, you know, I can't sit down. I, would, I wasn't sitting down reading books. I really didn't do academically growing up. Um, I, I wasn't, you know, I didn't care. I didn't care at all. So when, you know, and I joined combat control and I'm just thinking, you know, it's a physical job, but like surprise, no, you gotta be learning how to do smart. smart. Yeah. You have to be a com- you have to be an air traffic controller. So, um, my first setback I had was, 
you know, I made it through selection, physical stud, yeah, great, who yeah, whatever. But you got down there, and then I failed my eight, my air traffic control school, uh, my first test that I took. So, and then when I washed back, you know, and then at this, my first time washing back, and you kind of make a pretty strong bond with the guys you go through basic training with, and then you mm-hmm. go through selection with them. And then you, you know what I mean? You've been, you've been on a team with these guys for a while, like three to four months, and then boom, I could I fail the test and I get washed back to a whole new team. So that was, I remember that was very like, you know, that was my first time. And I was like, oh shit, maybe this and that, maybe I'm just not smart enough. I'm just, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I mean, so, but, you know, but that was my first like real thing. And I, I knew I had to go back and study my, I just studied my ass off. I put everything I possibly could. And so when I came in and I, and I came back and I passed it and I, you know, I made it all the way through, I proved to myself, like for me, my was my biggest win I think I ever had to prove to myself that like, Cause that's what I wasn't good at. And I mm-hmm. accomplished, I accomplished that goal. Like the physical, the physical washbacks I had in my life, like, yeah, they suck. Or, you know what I mean? I, I washed back at dive school, but that was a physical thing. I knew I was going to come back and beat that because I know how, how physically, you know, I can be, but mentally that was a big, big portion that I, but I broke through and, and, and I kind of like from there on off, you know, I passed everything pretty, pretty, pretty well. Cause I just had the confidence of, you know, trusting myself that I could study, I could do it. You know what I mean? I proved to myself that I could do it. And I think, um, yeah, but that was, I mean, I had a washback dive school that sucked as well. I mean, that's probably the hardest school you have. And when you, when you wash back there, um, it's, you know, you basically, you're getting drowned for like five weeks in a pool for pre-scuba before you even go, you get to dive school, you do three weeks in dive school and then you fail this test called one man's and one man's to take you underwater and they have a black mm-hmm. dog mask and they're like tying your hose up behind you you have to get to your oxygen doors um yeah get to your regulator breathe off it make sure all your stuff your equipment's good and they thrash you around you have to do this for like 15 minutes underwater underwater Damn. so it's like a really hard test but um, once you, yeah and so i feel that so when i wash back that's what i feel a lot of people get washed out because of that I had to go through pre-scuba again. I had to break my way all the way back there, and then I passed it. So I think those washbacks that I had were so hard going through the pipeline. But when I, you know, later on, like for my fighting career and stuff, um, I think that's, you know, when I didn't make it, I had my washback. I call it my washback for the contender series for the first time. I was able mm-hmm. to relate to those times in my life where, you know, I think this is the end. But I was just like, but I went back to work, and I got it done the second time. So, you know. Yeah, those those are a couple times in my life where I definitely have had. You know, everybody gets those doubt in your head when something big like that, but you just kind of have to keep on chugging away and grinding and keep believing in yourself. I think it's good to hear, and especially for like listeners, um, it's okay to fail. You can fail at things, but uh, it's how you bounce back. It's how you decide. You know what? I'm going to learn from it, and I'm going to keep pushing. And that's a exactly exactly pretty good examples. People think like spec ops or um, you know. UFC fighters, MMA fighters, that they're just like, go, 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 go. And they just don't, they don't fail, but they keep, the reason why they don't fail is because when they do fail, they keep going. Failing is when you actually give up. And if you don't give up, you're, you're good to go. So. 100% I agree. I mean, a failure, you have to fail. I've learned everything through failure. I feel like at the end of the day, you know what I mean? You have to oh, yeah. fail over and over and over and over again until, you know, something when it comes to fruition dude honestly cool. i think that's, that's something that not a not of not enough people experience nowadays everything in our culture as americans is is super easy and everybody wins I, I, that entitlement that 
yeah, and then entitlement that you were talking about, like I know, like the old guy that says, like, oh, the 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 next gener or the last generation to to feel that or whatever. But I think it is. I think it's becoming kind of a little bit more true, um, or has become more true as as time has gone on and as our society has become more easier. But like, it kind of makes sense why a lot of these tribal cultures have things like rites of passage, where mm -hmm. they you know these kids at a certain age they have to go through something strenuous where they could fail to basically become a man or whatever they got to, you know, whatever, whatever it, you get on the other side of that. But, um, you know, failure is such a important aspect of life and, and people have become so accustomed to being protected and shielded from it that I think that like you, when you said that failure is, is an excellent teacher, like that is, that's the truest thing ever. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I've, everybody fails on a weekly basis a daily basis or whatever you're trying to do, you know, maybe you, you wanted to get, it could be something as small as like, man, I really want to get those dishes done today before I had to go do this. And you didn't, you know, and it's, I don't know. I just, there's not enough of that today. I feel like, and I feel like if people could experience it a little bit more, they might realize there's some lines that you can push yourself past and be a little bit more humble about success. Yeah. I, I, I'm almost at the point where I feel bad if you don't, people don't challenge themselves enough to, un, to feel that feeling of failure. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That that's what it really comes down to. It's like, you gotta, gotta put yourself in there. And if you just, some people just don't care, I feel like in today's society enough to even put themselves out there to fail. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? They're, I don't know why they're just okay with that. And I think it's, mm -hmm. it's just unfortunate because you're just never going to feel that satisfaction in what it takes when you do overcome a hard challenge. It's just, you know what I mean? It's for me, I just like, I, I feel bad for you. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, it's kind of like you see um, a lot of these people that um, put themselves online gaming or whatever, or like even let's take it like, I mean, it's kind of extreme a little bit, I guess, but like uh, people that hurt other people, you know, these kids that go to school and I mean, there's all kinds of reasons, but like, you know, you, they become a bully or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. um, th those feelings of, of failing or, or, or whatever, when you become used to that feeling and you learn how to overcome them, you can kind of tell when somebody has never felt that in their life, just kind of the way they respond that first time they fail. So like I said, those kids, they film themselves video gaming and they smash their keyboard, you know, or older, older kids you'd think wouldn't react the way they do or young adults or adults in general, right? Wouldn't react the way they do if they'd experienced that before, you know, it's just kind of one of those things where Failure is something you have to get used to, but when you don't get used to it, it's almost kind of dangerous, your response to that when it hits you the first time. Yeah, it's, it's just like that uh, old saying, I think it's like the worst thing that ever happened to you is, is the worst thing that's ever happened to you, right? It's everything yeah. is about <laughs> That's why it's like a baby, if you take away his toy, he's going to have a, a temper tantrum and he's going to scream and cry and act like it's just like mm -hmm. the end of the day because that's the worst thing that's ever happened to him. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, that's why it's it's so important for people to every single day is is challenge themselves in some sort of way. If that's in a life goal, a daily goal, it's just like, it's just really seeking out challenges. Like one of the things I do um, is just ice baths and stuff. And I, I think in, during, during my fight camps, I'm very strict on it. I go like, I'm going to sit in this ice bath for five minutes and I do five minutes. Like, Cause I, five minutes and those things suck. But I know mm -hmm. if I can do Stay calm and 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 relaxed and in the zone, like I'm talking about. Like during those it's a lot of self discipline. Five minutes in that thing, 
Exactly. That if you get that, and it's just the self discipline too. Like if you do that thing in the morning, like you know the how sad it sucks to wake up first thing in the morning. And you're like, oh, you know what I mean? They're just jumping in a freaking ice bath. It's the sucks. Mm-hmm. It's the worst. You know, it never gets easy. You always have to yeah. have that mental fight with yourself. But you you win that mental battle. You get in there. You know what I mean? And then when you get out, it's just like nothing in the rest of the day is going to be as hard as that fucking ice bath. You know what I mean? It's yeah, yeah. Win that little battle. You feel great, and I, I don't even know if it's a physical. I don't even know like the the science behind the physical things. For me, it's like the freaking mental part of it. It's just like I'm going to get mm-hmm. in there, I'm gonna battle, and now I'm going to win every. And I do think there's some great physical aspects to it, but like I'm I'm a big believer in that, man. Just keep it, and I feel like it's literally it makes you tougher. It's like I literally think it makes you tougher. Like you go in there, you deal with that, like. I think physical punches. I feel like punches and stuff don't hurt as bad as sitting in an ice bath for five minutes in a real cool ice bath. <laughs> so having not gotten up in the middle, of, you know, in the morning and gotten in an ice bath, that shit looks like it sucks, man. Like <laughs> I, I know there's all these like science behind it. It's like all oh, these cold shock proteins. They're great for your heart and they're great for like you know releasing dopamine in your brain and you know all this other shit. It's like that's cool. You know, and for you, right, like you're doing it to like get in that mind space where you can train yourself to to withstand the toughness of that that cold water. But like, shit, man, I, I've, I've thought to myself before, I have even like gone online, like shot for some of those like portable ice baths you can stick outside. <laughs> and I just never I'm I'm going I'm to I'm admit it right now. I'm not talking myself into it enough. I just you know, I, haven't won that battle yet. I, I think you should do it. Do you it. Think I should do it. Yeah, 100 percent. Do it. Do it. Go do 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 three minutes. Get in there and keep your hands. Get your get up under your neck, hands underneath there, and just mm-hmm. suffer, and just suffer for three minutes. It's gonna, especially your first one. I tell you what, the which one is gonna hurt the worst? It's the first time. The first one is always yeah. your body. What the fuck is this? I want to fight. I want to get out of this. I want to get. Out. But then you just fight through that. You get out. You're not gonna die. You won't yeah. die. And then you know what I mean. And then like you will feel you will feel the benefits. I promise you, dude. That's it's it's. I've been doing that for probably a year two years now and i feel like it's been like the biggest thing that's helped me uh recover wise mentality wise it gets me like in the zone when i'm getting to fight week it's just like it's that it's definitely good for you is that just like reducing your recovery time do you feel like what'd you say sorry no it's cool i was saying do you feel like it's like reducing your recovery time like inflammation and stuff like that yeah yeah, absolutely. Maybe I, think I should do it. Inflammation is the number one thing. Is I think we yeah. all are like extreme amounts of inflammation, and I think that uh, that's the number one thing it does. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I, I can train. Like, I heard that like you don't want to do it after you lift or something. I heard some science behind that because it might like 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 uh, reduce muscle growth or something like that. But, I think I saw that too. Yeah, but other than that, I mean, I but I'm training, you know. I want to like reset my nervous system. You know what I mean? Right. I feel like it really does that. So especially that's one of the reasons I love going to the PIs because they have like the best ice bath there and sauna and hot tub and all those, all those things that, you mm-hmm. know, when I want to like recover and get myself better, there's nothing better than it. Right. Uh, Maybe I have to do it. If I do it, I'll, I'll put it on the, the podcast page and I'll tag you in it. But, I, like, I was just going to say, Brandon, I, I was going to say my I, inner bitch. Actually, I, I was going to my inner bitch. Go ahead, Connor. I partnered with this company called I don't know if it's the hat around here called Non-Standard. Um, mm-hmm. He's a special. He's a he's a Green Beret Special Forces guy from New Hampshire, and he uh, he 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 does a thing of where he gets 
uh, veterans. He sends them ice pass. He has a deal where he hooks them up and he sends a whole bunch of veterans ice pass. Any getters are struggling with anything, you know, because like, that's how much I believe in. I think it's going to help with PTSD. I think it's going to help with guys who get injured. I, think, yeah. I really believe this a lot. I think the fucking VA, if they, instead of subscribing people or giving people uh, prescriptions Dude. for uh, pills and, and all this stuff, I think if they gave them ice baths and coached them and, and, you know, using that instead, I think we'd see mm-hmm. better, better outcomes. And, you know, from like what an ice bath that's like seven hundred dollars or something like that. I mean, that'd be cool if we get nice ones, like thousand dollar ones. But like, I generally yeah. really think that would, you can help people out a lot with these. Modern medicine doesn't like, treat the issue; it only treats the symptoms. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's why I'm. So he's and he's big on that. So he starts his company. If you go look him up, non-standard. Um, you know, that's his thing. He's going out there just trying to help out guys, and his name's Adam. The guy's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's cool. Check him out. No, if I if I do it, fight my inner bitch and and win and order one and go outside and, and do that, I'm gonna put I'll put it up there and I'll tag you. And, I appreciate. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think now I'm gonna have to do it now that I've said yeah, this shit. I, well, I, I, I was gonna so, I, I was gonna say, Brandon, when I get out yeah, to yeah. California, I'll do it with you. That's go. true. Yeah. Oh yeah. Where, no, where, that's true. Where you we out in California? Together. Uh, so I am stationed near Travis, or I'm at Travis, but I'm I live yeah. near Sacramento. Okay, awesome, nice. Yeah, just, Zach just got orders out here to to Beal, so he'll be here in a couple months. And Beal and Travis are like super close together; they're yeah. like thirty minutes away. So, yep. so Travis is like near San Francisco, correct? Pretty close. It is, yeah. Yeah, so we landed there one time. I'll tell you a little story. Um, mm-hmm. So I, we're doing some training down in. What's the name of that town in California? It's near San Luis. It's near it's near San Luis Obispo. It's like a little training site out there. I was doing we were doing whatever hmm. we were doing some, like a full mission profile. Um, yeah. and we flew down there with the C one thirty crew, and then on the way back we were flying back. So this pilot was like, "Hey, we're gonna fly low over the Golden Gate Bridge, you know, so you guys can take go take a uh, you know take a pictures and stuff where they open up the ramp and guys can take pictures, or whatever." We're like, "All oh, right, cool." Dope. So, so um. You know, they gave out bailout rigs, you know what I mean? Just to you put them on, so just in case for whatever. So we put them on. We walked to, like, the uh, the the ramp, right before the ramp. Not on the ramp, but, like, right before the ramp. And then, like, they're, they're lowering down the ramp. And then all of a sudden, like, they, the ramp stopped. They couldn't get it. And the plane will fucking run, like, straight down and then right back up. And then oh, shit. everybody in the back of the plane flew up to the top of the plane. And like, including me, I literally like grabbed the cargo net on the side. Like, I could see down literally to the earth, to the ocean, and I grabbed the <laughs> cargo net. Um, so I guess the, what happened Dude. was the plane, the plane did a thing called a porpoise, and there was a miscommunication mm-hmm. between the, between the loadmaster and the and the whatever, and us where mm-hmm. they the, when the ramp got caught. So they did the porpoise. They thought we were all still sitting down. We weren't whatever, and they to unlock the ramp. And that, so yeah, that almost happened. It was a bad miscommunication. So literally, people Holy cut crap. their head. People cut their head on the on the ceiling, you know, on C one thirties, all the pipes and everything hanging out. Yeah, yeah. People, people cut their head, get all messed up. We had an emergency land at Travis Air Force Base, and then uh, we, you know she got grounded, and we had to fly back commercial from there back to uh, JBLM. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> but that pilot got his or her ass chewed too, man. Yeah, uh, they take. <laughs> yeah, so they take that shit super seriously. 
Yeah, that was not good. I feel bad. She was actually really cool because I worked with her. Oh, I shouldn't have to say that. But I worked with this individual. I know that he, uh-huh. she, he could have been anybody. Um, yeah, while yeah. I was deployed. And awesome pilot. You know, she was uh, really good in the like missions and stuff like that. So I was like, I feel bad. You know what I mean? She was just trying to yeah. help it up. So, but yeah. Right. Some stupid mistake. Yeah, stupid mistake. It is what it is. People just, people, shit happens. Yeah. Is uh is there anybody in the UFC that you're looking forward to fighting or looking to square up against? No, not really. Um, no. I don't really care. I'm I feel like I'm too young in the uh, game. I don't have any like personal like I don't know anybody. You know what I mean? I don't have a personal. Mm. Um, I just, you know I'm too. I I want to I want to prove myself first and then call out people. You know what I mean? I want mm-hmm. that belt. So it's like we're working yeah, our way yeah. up. And then just like, you know, I don't want to be like the young guy, just get on there and start calling people out. And then just, you know what I mean? Right. I feel like that's silly. I still got a lot to, I got a lot to prove at this point. Got you. I saw the other day on Instagram, you put a post up of uh, yourself at like a food truck. And oh, yeah. the caption, the caption you wrote, it said, your body is not a temple. It's an amusement park. Enjoy the ride. <laughs> yeah. So I, dude, when I saw that, I was like, I don't know. I felt like I saw a totally other side of you. Cause like typically what you post, it's obviously it's all fight stuff or like training or whatever. And uh, so just curious, like, what did you mean by that? And like, what does that comment mean to you on the inside? Um, like it, exactly what it says. Like I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a monk. I'm not a, you know, and I want to, like, first of all, fighting, if I really cared about my body, I wouldn't be fighting. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm giving myself CTE. I'm giving myself, you know, <laughs> in, injuries. I'm like, I mean, that, yeah. I'm, I'm aware of what, you know, the injuries, but I just love the, I mean, the, I just love fighting. You know what I mean? I mean, I mm-hmm. do care about longevity and the mad, like I do like, do like these things that like, I gotta take my vitamins. I, I just want to optimize myself as much as possible, but at the mm-hmm. same time, I'm not going to, I'm going to have a good time in life. You know what I mean? Like I'm going right. to go enjoy things and try to live life to the maximum ability. If that's going to eat bad food, I love eating bad food. I love mm-hmm. eating good food. I, you know what I mean? I, I, I'm just basically like anything and nothing in moderation. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just got everything go all, all at once. Every direction. So right, right, right. Um, that's, that's, that's what I mean by it though. You know what I mean? I, I, I like, Yes, I am like a healthy person overall. I would say for fighting and stuff, but that's but like at the same time, I'm gonna like, you know, but but fighting overall is not the best thing for me. And I know that, so it's like, yeah, yeah. I just try to enjoy my life to maximum ability all the time. Mm-hmm. I saw you had the snake farm board behind you. Uh, yes. Do you still skate? Do you still skate? I know it's like a it's a CCT project, isn't it? The snake so farm snake thing is it special. Snake Farm is run by, it's a company ran by like, I think like two combat controllers um, and one other guy. Then JT, you know, JT, the, he's, he's a tag P, he owns the mm-hmm. Black Coffee, Jared Taylor. He's also mm-hmm. in on it. And they, um, they, so they, it's a legit, so it's a guy that board on, I don't have the Sean available, but all right, so. There's Sean Arvell and um, uh, my buddy Kevin. Uh, they were mm-hmm. in Afghanistan together. And Sean Arvell was a combat controller. He's the one that was like on the post. He was like the poster boy for combat control. And okay. uh, when they were when they were deployed, they would just skate all the time. You know what I mean? To kill time when they weren't, they'd find like a little piece of concrete, and they, that's mm-hmm. what they did to kill time. And the word snake farm came from. He's telling me the story. I was asking where it came from. He's just like, oh, there's all these guys. All we have is guys around here. It's fucking. It's a fucking snake farm. You know what I mean? So that, that's oh, what they dude. came up with the name, like dude snakes. And then, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> and then, uh, so Sean, uh, Sean passed away, and mm-hmm. I think you know, and this guy Chad and Kevin. I think one other guy. They they started the uh, the combat 
you know, they started this snake fart. He's like a skateboard company attributed to him and it's really mm-hmm. grown. And now they have like legit professional skateboarders on the, on the, yeah. uh, on the team. Now the company's growing. They're actually going to be selling it in zoomies. So, uh, um, oh, wow. I think that's happening this year. So yeah, that's I mean, I think it's really cool, you know, and I, and I grew up skateboarding as well. And I was a young mm-hmm. kid, Same. uh, my parents used to drop me off at the skate park every day and, mm-hmm. and it was like, that's what I did. And so, you know, everything, skating, surfing, snowboarding, like I was on mm-hmm. a board my whole time, like when I was a kid. So yeah, I, I, yeah, that I, I still, I still skate. I'll, I'll mess around. I can kick flips. So, you know what I mean? I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. pop, uh, hit a kick flip, but I, I don't skate. Like I used to, obviously, because I don't need to fall down and break my arm. And right, wouldn't be good for your fighting career. <laughs> exactly. And I, I, I've always had an easier time heel flipping than kick flipping. It's always yeah, just, wanna, I don't it's know, feels more things, natural right? to me. Mm-hmm. I, and I'm the opposite. I can't heel. I can't heel flip for nothing. It's, a, it's right. funny. Like some people, are it is one funny. Or another, right? are you goofy or regular? I was just about to ask you the same question. So uh, I'm goofy, or I push Mongo. Oh, weirdo, Mongo. Fighter. I know. Yeah, totally. Weird. Zach's like, I don't know what this yeah, is. Yeah, you guys are speaking alien <laughs> yeah. to me. I tried skateboarding <laughs> once, I couldn't figure it out, and I, I stuck with the scooter. <laughs> yeah. I need Dude, I fucking, uh, Right. I got so lucky because I, I, I grew up as a military brat, and um, we lived on a really, really small little base in Germany when I was in high school called Simbach. You may have heard of it. I know they do some, some training out there. Um, but uh, they built a skate park. And they they build it right over the top of a um a tennis court, and so dude, I just like you said, man, I was out there every freaking day during the summer, right next to my house, like all the stairwell housings they have they have overseas. You know, there's staircases all over the place, just busting my ass, you winding up yeah. in the street, getting yelled at by you know the the cops and all kinds of stuff. So yeah, yeah uh, great it's way to grow that. up. I love skateboarding. I just had a shirt that the snake farm was a shirt says make skateboarding illegal again. It's like in a black shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny That's to say awesome. that. Yeah. yeah I mean, that was me too. When I was growing up, I either get dropped off at the skate park or um, I grew up in my grandparents' house in, in Rhode Island. So my, I spent a lot of time with my parents who were like working jobs. My dad was going to college and stuff. So I, I used to go to stay yeah. at my grandparents' house. And they had a big skateboard culture some, in the city that mm-hmm. they have Newport, Rhode Island. There's like skate skate rinse, So I kind of like at a young age really got involved in that, that mm-hmm. feral childhood where you just kind of go to the skate park <laughs> and just like that was me yeah so um it's kind of cool though i think i think it's i think with the, I, I mean you drive by skate parks nowadays and they're just empty so, <laughs> so, i know you know what i mean it's like i, I yeah. think that was cool it's just like you know you learn how to be your own person as mm-hmm. a lot of skateboard kids it's it's a different kind of i think a lot of days like we talked about kids are very sheltered they're in the room and they're you know what mm-hmm. i mean i think it's like going out you know you're getting fit, fist fights over like cameras bags and stupid Whatever. shit you get at the skate park you know what i mean like i, I mm-hmm. remember those days and that you know what I mean? so yeah yeah now Tra- travis has a skate park it's always empty as well but that was yeah. me man I, I grew up on base and so my parents were always just super comfortable with me running all over the place even when we lived in japan i could take the train into like downtown tokyo and my parents were totally cool with it and i was like 14 years old and it 100 percent teaches you how to become your own person because it's a, a level of self-reliance that you're not going to get unless you're just in it doing it you know what i mean so yeah yeah but anyway totally man. Agree. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate you coming on and talking to us, dude. Um, I'll be absolutely rooting for you. I would love to. I'm gonna pay attention and find out when your fighting your fights are. And um, do, do you have any idea if like any of them be out here in California? Because I, I would absolutely travel to go see you, or even yeah, like no. Vegas. Like those are that's close. Like you know. 
probably Vegas is probably a, a high, likely, you know what I mean? We, they have the apex there in Vegas, so they run fights there, you know, quite a mm-hmm. bit. And, you know, there's always fights in Vegas. So that that's probably most likely to be fighting there within the next three years. But nothing, nothing really specific. I mean, like I said, I'm new to the UFC. It's just like I'll fight anywhere and any any time. So um, mm-hmm. when they call me, I'll, I got to be ready. That's all I got. That's my job. So I'll let you know, though. I'll be posting it. I'm sure it'll be all over the place. Definitely. Definitely repost as well. Sick, man. Well, I really, really appreciate you you coming on, like I said. And, um, you know, looking forward to talking to you after you, you start this adventure and get some of those fights under your belt and hearing what that's like. So best of luck to you, man. I know you're going to kick some fucking ass. And, um, you know, I hope everything works out the way that, that you want it to, man. I play, Thank you very much, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me on. So, yeah. But uh, I'll, I'll keep in touch and uh, get out there and represent the Air Force. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. All right. What's going on, Fire fans? I came with Fire Podcast is sponsored by Red Clover Coffee and Sheep's Clothing LLC. Red Clover Coffee is a veteran-owned company with small batch roasted coffees, and they just happen to donate to some pretty awesome charities. Whether you're into specialty flavored coffees, single source coffees, or having a really cool coffee mug and some badass slaps, Red Clover has you covered. You can order ground, whole bean, or even coffee pods and get it all at 10% off your entire purchase using coupon code CAMEWITHFIRE. Again, that's 10% off your entire purchase using our coupon code CAMEWITHFIRE. I personally love their Blueberry Invasion and African Roast. That Blueberry Invasion hits the spot. Head over and get yourself some awesome coffee and support us by supporting our sponsor. I Came With Fire podcast is also sponsored by Sheep's Clothing, LLC. Sheep's Clothing, LLC is a unifying banner for all violent arts, disciplines, professions, and survivors of violent circumstances. Redefine violence. Both Zach and I being survivors of violent circumstances and LEOs in the military, we are especially excited to be able to offer you 10% off your entire purchase with coupon code FIRE10 at checkout. Whether you're looking for an awesome t-shirt, hats, slaps, flags, or MMA gear, they've got you covered. Me personally, I love my snapback with the leather patch surrounded by God's flannel. If you know, you know. That's coupon code FIRE10. F-I-R-E-1-0 at checkout for 10% off your entire purchase. Thank you all so much for supporting this podcast. And if you should feel compelled, treat yourself by supporting our sponsors as well. They truly make a difference for us. Now let's make a difference for them. See you on the next show.